0: Welcome to the WRT Sports Podcast for Sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sport on and off the field. It's football on the menu for this episode and it's safe to say that the 2019 LGFA All-Ireland Championship has already served up some epic action. We're here to take stock of the story so far and tackle the major talking points ahead of this weekend's historic senior semi-final showdowns in Croke Park. I'm Elaine Buckley, and joining me is Sinead Farrell. Sinead, all set for throw in at the business end of the season?
1: Yeah, business end pretty much all around the GA. We're heading for the ladies' semi finals this weekend. So, yeah, two good games on in Crowe Park this weekend. Those look forward to there.
0: Good stuff. We're also joined by two players turned pundits who know exactly what it takes to get your hands on the coveted prize of the Brendan Martin Trophy Denise Masterson and Diane O'Hara. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the W. Thanks, thanks for Anne. having us. So, I guess. Before we start looking forward, we'll take a little look back on uh, last weekend's action because some pretty big matches down for decision. The relegation playoff between Westmeath and Monaghan. Sinead, Monaghan pulled their season out of the fire.
1: Yeah, Monaghan are kind of a weird one. They've sort of been surviving for the last few seasons. They're kind of fighting to survive for the last few seasons. Like I can definitely remember not that long ago they were making All-Ireland Finals. When I was certainly making the breakthrough with county football, they were under Greg McGonagall, getting to all Ireland finals. But they've sort of been steadily going on a decline and it's sort of culminated now in really having to fight for their senior status. But they pulled it out of the fire, like you said. A big win against Westmeath keeps them senior. That gives them a lot of time to kind of rebuild and get ready again for 2020. But it is quite sad to see it, the way they were such a strong team from Ulster in the position that they're in.
0: Yeah and it kind of raises I suppose the the dis- debate and discussion we would have been having this time last year when Tipperary were relegated from, from the senior championship um, Denise what did you make of that fixture I suppose a powerhouse of Ulster football in many ways when I mean, you would have been playing they would have been a big team to beat And
2: We beat them in the All-Ireland semi-final one year um, in 2009 actually so yeah they would have been one of our biggest rivals when we were playing and uh, to be honest I would have tipped Westmead to take them uh, last weekend but um, I suppose, haven't been relegated to Division 2. They really had a lot to play for. They didn't want to be playing Division 2 football and I suppose relegated to from senior championship, you know. So I'd say they really... I mean, it was interesting when you talk about Tipperary last year. I was chatting to Michelle Ryan from Waterford and they were in a relegation battle last year and she was saying how it's more about the pride in the jersey and because I was saying the teams must be so tired like Westmeath and Cavan you know, the week before and, you know, I'd say you must get a stage in the season where you're exhausted and I'd say it's very hard to get yourself up for it and Michelle was saying she found that they could and, as I was saying earlier, I'd say the return of Cora Courtney maybe really gave Monaghan a lift because I'd say they needed something and, yeah, disappointed for Westmead and disappointed for Leinster football as well so, yeah, but good win for Monaghan.
0: You know, it does raise questions around the provincial championships as well, like Westmeath were not far off Dublin in that first half of the no, Leicester final.
2: No, and they give such gritty performances and like I said, I really would have tipped them and, you know, you'd be willing them to do well. I mean, they put in, you know, a gritty performance more than anything I found against Dublin, particularly in the first half. I know the scoreline at the end didn't pro- possibly reflect that, but like I said, maybe they have just been and I would say think... The Leinster Championship hasn't helped them either in terms of it's always a tough game against Dublin and the scoreline probably does be a little bit demoralising even after the first half performances and that's what I'm saying coming towards the end of it there, you know, I'd say Westmead might just, might just have been very, very flat going into that game at Monaghan, you know, so... Like I said, very disappointing for Leinster football too because it's not going to make that championship any better.
1: Oh, well. Westmead would have had to fight quite hard to get up to intermediate exactly, even in yeah. the first place. Mm. So to go back down, yeah. getting back into senior is not easy. The, no. the The step up between junior and intermediate isn't half as big as the step up from intermediate to senior. So that could set them back. A good bit actually.
0: Speaking of intermediate, the other big weekend results, um, Diane, Tipperary and Mead securing their spot in the intermediate All Ireland final, two big semi-final wins there.
3: Yeah, like it was um it was a great um result for, for both of them, but I think it was quite expected, um, to be honest with you. Um Sinead was just saying it there, like that the the jump from one to another, you know, there's no guarantee that you'll get back up as soon as you drop down. It can take people years. Um from my experience being with Mead, I mean they're three years before they got back up to, you know, division 2. Um and 4 years ago they were in division 2. So when you slide back down there's no guarantee because, you know, that, you know, this year there's going to be um, you know, it's going to be a loser to the intermediate final as well as now you have a team relegated. So Westmead with the new management in this year, they might just think to themselves, okay, we have we have a chance now if we really you know, dig in, we might just get back up senior again and, you know, really compete with that while they still have the team quite fresh. You know, you just don't want them to lose um, a lot of players, you know, being demoralised in in what's happened. But there is no guarantee. Um, From Mead's point of view, yeah, great win. There's some fantastic scores. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, they're putting up big scores against teams and they're scoring goals and they have a lot of power and strength in their forward line. Um, The same as Tipperary. They have the exact same thing. Um, so they'll be very well matched. It'll be the battle of the backs, I think, uh, the day of the final between both squads. They're two very, very, very strong teams. But um, I suppose it, it is going to make for a really good
0: final. But Tipperary, I think, have be, have given a really good account of themselves in how, you know, they really utilise their Division 1 league campaign to kind of build for a championship. Like, some of the results, particularly in Munster, that they put up. Like, are we at the point where maybe we should be pushing for more teams to be up senior and take it outside the twelve?
3: I I would think that, absolutely. Um, Like, Tipperary didn't want to go down like, you know, they were fighting like dogs last year. There's not a hope in hell. They were comfortable with the idea of it. They just took it on the chin and got on with it and made a plan to, I said, you know, to... I suppose from what they've said is to set themselves up for this year so they're on a mission they're on an absolute mission to get back up senior again and you know I commented on it last year as well their schools are doing brilliant like all the kids in the schools down there haven't seen as much of their club ladies football teams do well in Munster but there's you know, cause they're going to be up against the likes of Cork teams coming out at all levels but their schools are doing very very well so there's a lot of quality down there um, you know in saying that that's going to be rough on Meath if they lose another final you know really, you know, at that point then, they'll probably be looking to the relegation um, of Westmead to think God, you know, are these going to do the same things what Tipperary did? So um, yeah, it's tricky enough, but like ultimately, I mean that's, that's what happens when it, when a team drops down and there's promotion going up, so keeping more teams senior would be the thing I'd prefer to happen any day of the week well a quality intermediate
0: final to look forward to in Croke Park on, on the 15th of September and we're now at the point that we know the top four teams in the senior championship too it's been a it's been a great championship so far like you, you kind of have to say and even when you think back on um, you know getting out of the provinces and in, into the All-Ireland Round Robin stage if I was to ask you all Sinead we will, we'll we'll, go we'll go to you first what what was kind of the story of the group stage as the championship for you?
1: Um. I'd say, well, coming into the semi-final is the fact that um, Dublin and Cork are playing now in the semi-final. We're kind of used to seeing them in the final. A lot of people might think this is the final before we get to the final itself. That'll be the, the outcome of that game is probably, even though that's kind of leading off from the group stages, that, um, that, like that, the, the outcome of that, kind of what it means for the final, that would be what I'd be sort of... On
0: it was the kind of thing when you saw the draw initially, the bracket, and you know Munster winner versus Lens, the way it was all laid out. she kind of quit, figured out quite quickly that they were on a crash course to meet in the semi-finals. And um, you know both it wasn't a straightforward route for Cork. I think um I think the biggest story for for me for the group stages was Armagh getting one up over Cork. It was absolute thriller to watch. Yeah, I suppose with the with the group stages
2: for me you know I'd probably be a little bit the same as Sinead in that I do think the Dublin Cork semi-final you'd be just thinking whoever wins it because I know uh, Group 4 was very tight you know with Donegal and Mayo and, and Tyrone but, but I had wondered if you threw a Dublin or a Cork in there would the results have been as close or would they still have run away you know it's hard to judge the you know, which is why I do think that the Mayo-Galway game is going to be an absolute cracker as well. But I have to say, I do think I'll tip whoever comes out the right side of the Dublin court game. And you'd love to be proved wrong. You know, I always have great expectations for Galway. But, um, but in terms of the group, yeah, I mean, that was an upset and I'm sure it was a great result for a man. I mean, they have some quality footballers even last weekend. I just think... I know and this just it's uh, poetry in motion just watching oh, her play, but just even you know she just pulls the strings in every line she goes in like she was in the full forward line pulling the strings then they move her out to midfield she's in the I just think she's a phenomenal footballer I think her mom have a few really good footballers and it was a great result for them but um yeah like I said I just think it will be interesting now <laughs> When you're comparing the two semi finals, which should be two cracking games, it'll be just interesting to see. And maybe we're wrong, but I just wonder will there be a bit of a difference in the standards? Just Diane when you might mentioned, pull me
1: up um, on that. We've no Ulster teams in the, the final. semi finals. No. That's kind of another interesting thing. And that's probably the most competitive province as well. Yeah. It's quite interesting that... Mm. It is, and, and mm, like, right it's,
0: it's even when you're looking at the championship promotional shots from the LGFA, like, Donegal are in all of them. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it was kind of presumed that they were going to be making their way kind of in, into the business end. But exactly like, like that, their
2: group was such a tight group. Anyone could have come out of that in the last round, you know. It was a... I suppose it was the tightest group, so, you know, maybe they were unlucky as well, so...
0: It really showed, um, I suppose, Diane, that what's great about this format is that that group four... Mayo to her own Donegal literally went down to pretty much the last kick of the ball.
3: Yeah, and I think that's why the Donegal game was so good and it was so impressive Um, how well Mayo got that game and how organised they were. Um, You know, just, you know, even when you're talking about like forecasting who you expect to win, I was planning, you know, where I think that the game might be between Mayo and Cavan until our Mabby Cork. So, you know, that that's how... Unpredictable it was, and um, some teams really did so well in it. But I mean, the Mayo, it shows what Tyrone have done by winning intermediate. Um, Mm -hmm. They competed. Like, not only did they compete, but Mayo only beat them by three points. Um, Even the Donegal Tyrone game, you know, that was incredibly tight as well. And I think that they, I think Donegal lost uh, to Tyrone earlier in the year as well. So, like, I mean, this is a team that really have a good plan in place as well. And I think from by looking at the group stages and looking how tight the Mayo, Tyrone, Donegal group was, um, yeah, it came down to Donegal needed four points to win that day and Mayo got everything right on the day. And I suppose of of the teams that are now out of
0: Championship, which players have really kind of stepped up, even though their counties may be gone? Who would you be thinking should be in line for maybe conversations around All-Stars come November? Who really stood out?
1: Sarah Hoolan for me anyway, Kerry. She's a long... Serving for them, but she was brilliant against Dublin. They were very competitive, Kerry were very competitive with Dublin for a good bit of the game. It was really kind of after half time, Dublin kind of put the burst on. But even then, I thought Sarah Hoolan was really prominent for them.
2: And funny, I for the second half, yes, but I actually thought they needed her more in the first half. Now yeah. I actually thought she'd a quiet enough first half, Sarah Hoolan, whereas I felt in the second half she came out. It's just funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, no, I thought the whole yeah, game she yeah.
1: was pretty prominent for a girl of her size as yeah. well in senior football size is so important and yet she was still I suppose her speed kind of helped her through but she'd definitely be in there yeah. and finishing. then that
3: would bring it back to Aileen Wall then so again she's a smaller yeah. player but she'd absolutely yeah you know she'd well, if you run can't rings catch around them you.
1: you can't do anything <laughs> like Sarah O will be quite <laughs> Foul them is it Sarah O be quite small as well them. but she's well able to survive yeah. in senior football and even in as, as you rule know, as well where physicality would even be more prominent there is no tackling technique and yet she's but she's done very well, and she's even gotten another deal out of it as well. So,
0: Blaheen Mackin for me really stood out for uh, for Arma. I thought she was terrific for them. Like particularly in the court game, after Amy went off injured, you know it was her who kind of drove it on and started scored the goal. that kind of started to build up that lead. So, so there's been really a lot of big performances from teams so far, and uh, have to say just cannot wait very until exciting. this weekend. Yeah. We have our final four now, but the occasion of the semi-finals being in Croke Park, you know, as players, what does that mean? Like, can you imagine, like going back to your playing days, this day ever coming where you would actually get the keys to Croke Park for not the final? No, I suppose not. You
2: know, you just, it's all Ireland final days the day you're in Croke Park and other than that, you're travelling the length and breadth of the country. We're going wherever, you know, so, oh, it's great. Look, it's it's fantastic. So I'm just really hoping now that we have numbers on the seats because it is a big venue to fill you know and you know there can be a great atmosphere at semi-finals like I said to you when we played Mon in 2009 like that was a small venue but my god the atmosphere was amazing and you know it really gives you a lift in tight games you know and that was a tight game same the following year against Leash and you're just hoping now that there's enough bodies there in Crow Park to you know t- to lift it and because uh, I'm expecting two really good games Um, but from the players point of view that won't be a concern if they will just be delighted to, to of course you are, to get a run out in Crow Park like you know it's fantastic pitch it's a fantastic occasion and I suppose for the two teams who come out the right side of it you know some experience before the final going into playing Crow Park again I just think it's fantastic so like I said hopefully we get bodies in there to create some sort of a buzz.
0: Yeah, and it, it kind of added an extra bit of spice to the quarterfinals as well. And that as well as playing for your place in the Final Four, you're getting a guaranteed trip to Croke Park, which, you know, Dublin and Cork have had the monopoly on it for, for the last while. So how much of a motivating factor, Diane, do you think that would have been for
3: teams? Um, I think from a Mayo perspective, um, I know I was at the games earlier this year, like where they've played Dublin, the league there, and they, you know, they had a very good performance. They're in a fortunate position in comparison to, let's say, Galway, for example. Um, They wouldn't have had the experience um, of playing there. I know Sinead Burke had said something about it during the week, that she's playing football for 10, 12 years at county level and she's never been there. And, you know, it's really hard to prepare for that. Um, And, for example, the Galway management may not have ever been there either. So at least Mayo have just, you know, they're, they're potentially going to settle, I'd say, a little bit faster. Not that it's going to count for anything because, you know, Goa could come out like Raven Lunatics. That that could be the other side of it. And, you know, that's where I would have been experiencing Crow Park when I was playing in 99 and consecutive years after that. Um, but, you know, it'll be down to who settles, I think. And obviously the last thing you want is for a team to unnerve themselves by hitting a few, you know... Maybe not really well thought out shots, because if that happens early in a game, you, you'd worry for a team to get back from that psychologically. Um, you'd always advise people to enjoy the game. I'm sure, Denise, were you told to enjoy the day and <laughs> you can't even remember 30 seconds of it? Mm. Well, it's funny. And then here I am. I actually doled
2: that advice out now to other people. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I do I vividly remember saying to Lindsay, you know last year and particularly with the upper stands open you know and you know just go out and try and soak it in a bit because you do miss it but I suppose I was lucky and unlucky enough that it wasn't just the game that we won that we were in Crow Park for we were there for a couple of losses as well so you know you do I think take a little bit and you're you're absolutely right in terms of the, the Galway team coming into Crow Park not having been there like it's different in terms of the warm-up changing rooms you know it's it's a very it's very, it's much more structured day and it's a little bit more out of the team's control in terms of if the management team aren't so Diane it's a really valid point in terms of I do think Mayo will definitely have an edge over Galway in that regard just the general running of the day the agenda I suppose that will be given to them as opposed to the team being able to dictate it so it be interesting to see does that make a difference to the start of the Mayo-Galway game
0: yeah, and I suppose, Sinead, from from your perspective, from from a coverage point of view, like, first of all, the semi-final's been put on as a doubleheader and in Croke Park and, crucially, on a weekend where there's nothing else really of note going on in Gaelic games. Is this the way we're kind of going to really turn a corner, coverage-wise?
1: Yeah, I was actually just putting the bones together of my preview today and the fact that the Hurling on Ireland final is over, the, re- the coverage or the reactionary coverage is kind of dying out now and there's that gap there there is that sort of that bit of vacancy there for something else to fill before heading into the All-Ireland men's football finals I suppose and there is it is that kind of time where they can put a bit more coverage on it and I think the fact that you were mentioned there that they have they've been putting um, matches in Crow Park during the league it's a nice way to bleed into this evolution of putting it in putting the semi-finals on in Crow Park as well and it also kind of ties in with the fact that people have pointed out that a lot of the coverage is localised on the finals because that's the day that they have the most amount of coverage, the most amount of people, what was it, over 50,054, I think, at last year's final. And so now they have to try and push up the numbers at the semi-finals. So I think that's where they're bringing Crow Park in and trying to bring more people to go to, the, to, go to that venue because obviously it is Crow Park, it's GA headquarters and that's where players want to play. So I think that's where they're trying to bridge the gap start there, I presume, and then move backwards, maybe into the group stages and eventually into the provincial championships.
3: And just even on that, on, on an advertising aspect as well, when you're thinking about the kids in school, like they're all about to go back to school now, so they're all still with their clubs at home in their and they're under 10s and under 12s and they're looking at their Mayo and Galway Heroes and Cork and Dublin. Like this is an opportunity now where Four counties can get all their kids, their families, their clubs to Crow Park for a final if they weren't interested in going as a neutral, you know, um, for the final in September. So I think it's a massive opportunity. I know just uh, there's about, I think, 27 or 28 clubs, ladies clubs in Mayo are sending buses up um, for a start. That's only for a start. I heard men down in Louisburg who go to all the men's matches are going to this match supporting the ladies. That kind of thing hasn't happened. And it's not because the Mayo men are out of championship at all. It's because there's a habit. There's a, you know, there's an ingrained habit of supporting your county. And, you know, unless Mayo were in a final, maybe the semi wouldn't be getting this, you know, the mm. the coverage that you guys are, are giving it. It might not be get, getting just the same amount like, and, you know, as you're saying, there's a couple of days there where um, it's it just given ladies football a little bit more exposure for the semis and I think that it's really going to add up to a great weekend and as you were saying there and you know from my own understanding in club is Dublin are really making a big push as well uh, within the clubs
2: In fairness to Dublin LGFA would be great at promoting and trying to get
0: people there yeah absolutely so The product that they're going to get though um, like I've been, I constantly bang on about this that people just need to start going to the earlier rounds because the two best games of football that Certainly I've seen it in the last couple of years were All-Ireland semi-finals. Dublin versus Mayo in 2016. Sinead Arons buzzer beater down in Breffney Park. Like, that was just incredible. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Listen, that game, it yeah. was great. <laughs> no. And um, and then the following year, Mayo beating Cork for the first time in a decade, it must have mm. been. like and, and again, just that outpouring of emotion at, at full time. And it was a cracker of a match. That exchange between Breedstack and Cora and at the end. Like, two warriors who had... Being toe-to-toe for years on end. Like it, it's where you kind of really get to know the games and the characters and the rivalries and all that kind of stuff. So um, I just think the earlier people buy into the championships, the better. Like we've got two absolutely cracking games to look forward to. So we'll take them one by one and we will start with Dublin v Cork. And when you think of football, there is no better matchup.
1: Yeah, very compelling rivalry. I think I, I could be wrong. Looking back at the records. I think they've accounted for something like the last 14... All Ireland's between them. <laughs> and that's obviously competing in the finals against each other. Mayo obviously disrupting the flow there in 2017. And Cork's dominance obviously is a big part of that. Dublin obviously making the breakthrough for so long. And Denise obviously knows all about that. Yeah, they just, they know each other so well. Even the younger girls have to know the, the background of this as well. A lot of the times with ladies' football, you come into a team and you might not know the historical rivalry of stuff that happened maybe eight, ten years ago but a lot of those girls will come in knowing about it they'll have played each other as well at underage because Dublin and Cork are very strong at underage minor under 14 under 14 up so that's like I said before a lot of people will see that as the final before the final Um, they have they they know each other so well the players there's a lot of matchups there that are quite familiar as well that's another element of it Um, it's that's definitely going to be I'd say the main
0: one, yeah, champagne football, and um, obviously they met in last year's All Ireland final with Dublin coming out on top. But their most recent meeting was genuinely one of the best matches I saw this year. Probably game of the year for me so far was the Dublin v Cork league semi-final down in Nolan Park. Went to extra time. What an exhibition of football!
3: Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um For it to even go to extra time. When you're looking at two quality teams like that, you're just in for a treat because you're obviously just, you know, expecting just to get a good hard match out of it. Um, But the quality and the standard of football, it was end to end, like physically, when you think about players having to just go back into work the next day, you know, you just you really admire them because, um, God, they went all out. I think it was 96 minutes or something like that or 86 minutes. I can't really remember. Sorry, but of pure physical exhaustion. Like the weather was fantastic for the day. It was summer football. The ground was hard. Everything was fast. Um, And, you know, Niall McCormick, the ref, let it flow as well, which, you know, which, well, he let it flow and played within the rules. So what I think is, it's going to be a bit of a, I think that's what's going to happen in the semi-final. Like if I were to preview what I think their next match will be, um, it's going to come down to who fouls probably the least. And if they do foul, let it be strategic in terms of not going to get yourself ticked or get three ticks. So that's going to be strategically, I suppose, shared among any um, runners coming from opposition. And when you're looking at the likes of Orla Finn, um, Sinead Thehearn, um people who can score freeze Neve McAvoy any day of the week within probably your 35-yard range, that to me is probably what most teams will have learned from that day because they're so equally matched. I think when I look at Dublin um, last year, they absolutely physically bulldozed Cork out of it. And, you know, I'm just being honest, like from a physical point of view, they were way ahead. And Cork, I was just looking at it today, they've kind of mixed their team in a little bit. There's a far more physical presence in the Cork team, so they're probably not going to get, you know... Probably not going to get fooled by that again, and they're probably found themselves, I suppose, in that uh, league semi final, They found themselves matching Dublin in a way that they weren't really able to compete at all last year. So that's what's going to make this, you know, as Sinead was saying, a massive game. What a what a game for spectators to be in Crow Park for.
1: Yeah, just on that, they've a lot, Dublin have some really good ball carriers as well. Like if you give Sinead Goldrick, Noel Healy the ball space, they are just. Engines and they gather up pace so quickly, and they couldn't. And their runs from deep will always cut through defences. And if they can get those girls well positioned, that's a huge um asset for, for Dublin. Now, Cork obviously have good ball carriers as well, but it's always been something I've thought Dublin have always been really good at that they have good ball carriers who can really attack teams and hurt them that way. And I suppose getting the matchups, um. Are right
0: Denise is, is going to be absolutely key because like you know you saw in, in last year's all Ireland final like Saoirse Noonan was was the big gun coming off the bench that was going to win this game for Cork Neve Collins went on her and Noonan didn't touch the ball for 15 minutes now there's almost too many to look at but where do you think the key battles are, are going to be? Um, to be honest I think where Cork will really have their work
2: cut out for them is probably the full back line you know, I think the Dublin full forward line will, you know, really ask questions maybe of the Cork full back line. Um, Goldie was injured for that uh, league semi-final as well. Speaking of runners from deep, so it'll be interesting to see there who might pick up Goldie coming forward. Um, I suppose positionally as well, Dublin have been trying, I suppose, new things out on the back line this year as well, you know. um, Not by choice, though. Not by choice necessarily but you just wonder how it'll work out you know I was very impressed I suppose like with uh, Ava Rutledge the last day and uh Eva Kane so Ava in corner back and Eva in wing back and you know so there are two players who haven't I suppose been there against Cork and Cork haven't seen them and I know you can only judge against what you're playing and you know it's Cork is much stronger opposition but I'll be interested to see what way it does line out with a few of those positions you know um, McGraw I suppose in, the, in midfield with um Alwyn and Lauren McGee playing wing back during the year you know so there's been a few switch ups in the Dublin team and it'll be interesting to see the Cork react to them or do they just line out as is I think Cotter back in the midfield for Cork is going to be huge huge a huge advantage for Cork you know so it'll be interesting to see who matches up there as well you know but um, I'm just really really excited to be honest I'm getting yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think like uh, Diane said about the freeze you know I think if people are on their game with the freeze it's going to be huge it's going to be a physical battle and I suppose last year in the All-Ireland final Dublin did just Probably, you know, out out-muscled them a bit, but like I thought Cork were still there, like Cork were not gone very far away. I could really see signs of it in the All Ireland final last year, so I think they'll be really chomping at the bit for Dublin this year. So,
0: the other, I suppose, big factor that was missing from the league semi final the last time we got a look at these two squaring off was Deirdre O'Sullivan. She, she didn't yeah. play any part that day, so you know, Dublin being down Sinead Goldrick, but Dear O'Sullivan, yeah. like that's exactly who the matchup could be. When it comes to it, there, there is no better long range shooter in the country and you know you talk about this Dublin defence if if Darren doesn't go into contact with them and on her day she can just pop mm. off points from any angle what the the shift she put in for Moran Abbey in the club all-Ireland final mm-hmm. last year like she's a, just an exceptional talent that has the potential to hurt them
3: yeah like absolutely I think that that's going to be the worry you know so if you're looking at Dublin and they're still you know potentially trying players in different positions in their back line um, and trying new players as well um. I think that just from what Denise was saying too it's it's going to be interesting to see how um, you know how Dublin try to line their team up against it are they going to go a little bit you know defensive are they going to drop a third midfielder I don't know traditionally if they ever really seem to do that but they're going to have to try and keep the ball out of the middle at all because if they turn it over, there's, there's too many in the Cork forward line that um, will be in a position to shoot if they do get the ball turned over at all. So, what Sinead saying is Dublin will potentially, I would imagine, play to their strengths and it'll be carry the ball out of defence and then look to deliver it mm-hmm. because you can't you can't give these Cork forwards any opportunity to shoot. I'd say Dublin will be pl- practicing their blocking a lot actually this week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like speaking of, on like Cork have good ball carriers, well, like Dern O'Sullivan, Keiro O'Sullivan, they get the ball, they're they're so good. Like they don't, They're don't. they smart with the ball. They know how to carry it. They know when to pass it. And like that, Duran is so strong and she can shoot from distance as well. They're great leaders to have in the team and they're kind of maybe the last of that team that won all those All-Irelands and they have those memories and they know how to win games and they know how to lead players as well. And they were so key to and Abbey's success. And I know that might be club level or whatever. People might try and to separate that from the county thing. But the mentality that it took to come back and come back and come back to win with Moorna Abbey. They're able to translate that into the Cork setup and the girls feed off that as well. Yeah, and there's just
0: there's so many there's so many players who've who've had really good seasons so far. Like when you look at Cork's performance against Tyrone, personally I thought Emer Scali it was just sensational that day, what she created and what she put away herself. And this is someone who's traditionally been an impact sub for, for Cork, now kind of Starring in the in the spotlight, but um, Denise, who do you see being the real key players to step up now on Sunday? I think Sinead Hearn is going to be crucial. I thought um, coming back from
2: injury, I thought maybe she'd a slower first half again um, against Kerry the last day, and uh, I, you know, Noel Healy maybe you know, um, I think she needs maybe to pull a bigger performance out of the bag as well you know she's probably having a slower season you know she's working down in Cork she's probably doing a lot of traveling I'm sure it's you know it's it's really tough what she's doing so um I think that'll be a big performance necessary for Dublin Um, I also think the midfield battle is going to be crucial maybe I zone in on that area at the pitch you know so um I think mcgraw will go about her her business the way she always does and it'll be interesting to see if Laura McGee's on the wing you know and Alwyn in midfield um, and for Cork you know I always think Orla Finn does play you know I know the O'Sullivans and I think Scally, but I just think Orla Finn as well she'll be huge for me I think if she's a good game for Cork you know she always she's just quietly always going about her business and keeping the scoreboard ticking over I think she's a lovely footballer and then you mentioned the word impact sub Elaine and it sends shivers down my spine because Cork <laughs> do impact subs like no other team so you know too, they spring off the bench because I mean, God, we were—I don't know how many points up in all Ireland—and someone had spring off the bench, and they could just changed the game for Cork. So,
0: when you mentioned the benches, I remember watching the league final in Parnell Park this year, and like Galway were keeping up with them in a the very competitive game, but we were sitting right in the halfway line, and at one point, you just saw walking up together to the sideline, going on 21 and 22 in their backs, Ronan Evoca and Brian oh, <laughs> nightmares mm, So, it's—it's yeah. it's like they do have that firepower who just can come in, and the finishing team are—you know—Dublin. On the other hand, they have haven't had their first choice front six available to them for any game in championship this year. Like when you think about it, Lindsay Davey and Carla Rowe were missing for the Leinster final. Mm-hmm. Then Sinead Ahern got injured and then Neve McAvoy and Nicole Owens
3: are missing for a game. So they, they've yet to actually have their full firing squad out. And they're, they're due a big game um, like talking about football and, you know, when you're looking at the group stages and all of that, I think there were, you know, quite comfortable going through the group stages and you know even in Leinster as even though Westmead did very very well it was a different kettle of fish in the second half so you know from how I look at Dublin and how well organized they are and the quality that Denise has said you know besides we know how they're professional you know how they're really well trained the same as every other county but with all of that I still think you know and it's not that I'm tipping Dublin at all, but I really genuinely believe that there's an absolutely massive, consistent 60-minute game in them. And that's the one thing that I haven't seen them have. I haven't seen a consistent 60 minutes, but if they can pull off 30 or 40, then, you know, what's this 20 minutes they're missing? So I'd imagine that they've been working on that. Um, And whether it's, um, I suppose, just a little bit more fluency in how they attack or, you know, how they're using the ball or, you know, how they're trying to get scores on the board. Like, they'll have all of that prepared and planned. I mean, you know, looking at the groups they would have known a few weeks ago that it was probably going to be Cork that they'd be playing in the semi so I would say all of the work that they've been doing um, would have been focusing on how they're going to break that down
0: Yeah well it certainly does make for uh, like just when you think of the matchups and you think of the potential of you know a Neve McAvoy against a Melissa Duggan it's 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 just going to be really we'll get the team she's in advance of the match but the real like the real insight will be that first minute of the match where you see right everyone right. hopping around and who's mm-hmm. picking up who I just cannot wait for it and then the Battle of Connacht. <laughs> like, you know, you talk about familiarity here, but like... Were you going to say to hell Connacht? <laughs>
3: it just, it looked like it was um, about to happen. No, I wasn't. I wasn't, I swear.
0: But Galway versus Mayo, um, you know, familiarity breeds contempt and they've had two <laughs> matches. They met in the, in the Connacht decider, which was a draw. And then Galway did a right number on Mayo in the replay. So Sinead, what are you looking forward to about this one?
1: Yeah, these are two again. These are two teams that know each other really well. Again in Connacht, I was wondering when you played Diane, would you have had a big rivalry with Galway?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you know, in the early in the early years, um, you know, there was, there was no other senior teams in Connacht. It was just us. And then when Galway had won their junior All Ireland, then they they became a senior team. So there wasn't a Connacht final until God, I can't even remember when. But if you so even from my point, since I've finished playing football like Galway have won eight out of the last nine Connacht titles so there's a huge rivalry like it's your neighbours and every year you know you're just trying to see what the difference is but if I'm being really honest it's underage you know Galway are producing them Galway are funneling under 16 minor champions the whole way through Mayo's underage are not really functioning at all and I was just saying it like in the last uh, couple of days there to people that the under 17 development was on in in um, Abbottstown today Mayo didn't even have a team so, you know, that's where the rivalry. You know, the rivalry exists within that senior squad because really, at underage, um, you know, Mayo haven't been performing.
1: Yeah, so like that, that the, the rivalry goes back years and years, and it's and it carried through again this year when they met in Connacht. And I, I'm not sure if they've even played each other outside of Connacht this late in the championship, or if it goes back that far. So this is kind of kind of new territory, but obviously, again, they know each other really well. And I was just looking back at kind of their. Results leading up to now and the reports that of those matches like likes like names like Tracy Leonard keeps coming up and she's such a deadly forward for them so I think she tore a cruciate actually a couple of seasons ago she did yeah and has come back and is still leading the way for them I think she could end up being really crucial if she can get firing against Mayo I think she could end up deciding the game for them.
0: And I suppose they are carrying the the hurt of losing the league final. You know, they got into their league final for the first time in a long time this year and Cork did a number on them that day. But this Galway team, like Galway's last All-Ireland was 2004. They're only All-Ireland. They were the last team to win an All-Ireland before Cork's reign of terror began. So, um, you know, it's this generation. It's kind of, this is the year to do it, really, isn't it, to get back to a final?
2: Yeah, and I, oh, I felt like, Galway have been that team coming down the road. I mean, I can actually remember the year their, cor- their final league final against Cork. Cork beat them by a point. It's like one of the best games of ladies football. But I don't know if I always overestimate Galway or they underperform. But I always think Galway are going to produce. You know, I think I felt for the past couple of years, Galway are real contenders. And then like last year in the semi final against Dublin it just it, the, the, the competition just wasn't there particularly in the second half you know and again this year I find myself thinking God those forwards I mean Tracy Leonard not dissimilar to Caroline O'Hanlon she just pulled strings so effortlessly like really skillful player and Ward uh, in midfield you know I just think God we have some some super players and you know, you'd love to see them push on. You know, another big name in football again. You know, people bandying around Dublin and Cork. Like you'd love to see them. And I know they had a good win over Mayo in the in the Connacht replay. But I think we oh, have all the skill and all the finesse. But I just wonder, do they have those? you
0: know but if you take their last 18 months you know they were desperately unfortunate in the league final or the league semi-final last year when Nicole Owens scored a late winner for Dublin that yeah. they didn't mm. really deserve yeah. Um, and then you know the, their semi-final loss to Dublin again last year like you know that day they learned you have to start a match strong or the, the likes of yeah. Dublin and Cork will absolutely kill you again the league final this year it was the bench that ultimately hurt them in the end so you do learn a lot in losing so I think they're going to bring a lot of that to Croke Park with them on Sunday. And I suppose that the younger generation of players that have come through, like Olivia Dively and Anya McDonough, who is just such a sensational footballer, they really, um, they, it just feels like they have a big performance in them and that they're sick of being the nearly team.
3: So I totally take that point on board there, that the team that loses might learn the most. But then you could turn that around to Mayo, for example, because I'd be completely biased um, while I'm here. But in saying that, Mayo have this dark cloud over them, whereas you might say from a Galway point of view, just not actually just getting across the line. Um, I'd imagine from a sports performance aspect, Galway have worked hard on that behind the scenes because it's an opportunity for the management to try and, you know, bridge that gap if it's there. From a Mayo point of view, um, they'll have had to have learned, you know, Look at the weather conditions when Mayo played Galway. And if you look at what Mayo's strengths um, might be, their speed and their agility, you know, days where there's a heavy breeze, slow pitch, you know, there's rain. That doesn't really suit the Mayo forwards to be, you know, from what I've seen in some of the games. Whereas, you know, they were very lucky the last day that when they played Armagh, the weather didn't really Um, get that bad until the last 10 minutes of the match and at that stage they were holding the ball like they were comfortable with their lead so you know I think it's going to be an absolutely massive battle like Cork the forwards that you were mentioning and Megan Glynn and Louise Ward uh, you know Olivia Dively like these girls are on fire and then you have you know Tracy Leonard who's on a different level altogether from a Mayo's defence point of view um, yeah I'd say they're busy now watching tapes of matches to try and figure out who's going to take who um because Roisin Flynn is gone, she damaged her knee, she's her ACL, she ruptured her ACL. So that was the full back for Mayo, um, who'd you know, who's gone in the last couple of weeks. She didn't play for their match. But then you're looking at how good Catherine Sullivan has been. I mean, Danielle Codwell has just been a revelation in really? the last twelve months. Um you know, so I uh, yeah, you know, I wouldn't like to be marking Danielle if I was one of the go away full forwards. That would really just be a worry for me. So yeah, the matchups are going to be interesting. I'll, I'll be waiting for that as well, actually, like from once the whistle goes in to see who takes who. The big overarching story of this match is Mayo's
0: rebuild. Like, th- when you think back to this time 12 months ago, it is absolutely astonishing that they are back in an all-arnon semi-final. And Full credit to those players for getting themselves to where they are.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can even use the word rebuild now because they've gotten past that stage. Like it, if they hadn't done this done done well this year, you could say, oh well, look, they're in transition. Give them another bit of time, and they might come back next year. But beating Armagh, that's that's a big one for them because I don't think people would have expected. Like when you lose twelve players, particularly in ladies football, that can really set you back, and it's basically a club load. Of players suddenly gone and within 12 months to still get to an All-Ireland semi-final will be a huge psychological boost and then to even and then to get that match day experience of playing in Crow Park it gets them it it kind of makes them much more mature as well along with what all that they've been through that's a huge uh, psychological edge for them what they've been through the last 12 months and to still get to this stage of the championship
0: and they have had to mature quite rapidly denise like when you when you think about it the the time frame and the the players who who have stood up and you know gotten them over the line to get these results and get to croke park who who has stood out for you um well i really was impressed with Caldwell the last day i mean i
2: thought i'm not sure what age she is but i just thought she was you know was a full back and i mean she was i just thought she was really impressive you know um I mean, obviously, Sarah Rowe, you know, um, Aileen Gilroy, it was great to see her coming back on the last day. And I think, you know, if Mayo gets another 20, 30 minutes out of her as well, you know. um, Yeah, and for me, even to do that rebuild, of, if that's what we're calling it, it, just there's just a certain level of grit, I think, about the Mayo team. And I think Galway might have the flair. But for me, I don't know. I just think if it comes down to, you know, kind of trying to... Dog it out a bit more you know on paper and I, I like I say I always kind of tip Galway but I just feel if it comes down to that kind of I just think like you said the resolve the, the girls have shown for Mayo I'd say it's brought the team very close together you know I think you know I think it could be, go good for Beaten, Mayo.
1: Beating Donegal as well huge. is huge yeah. probably even bigger than beating Armagh because like you said everybody assumed it would be Donegal get into this stage of the championship so for Mayo to not just beat them but just like knock them out Mm. of the championship that's huge for those girls as well but I would probably lean towards Denise I think the fact that the two that Galway and Mayo have both avoided Dublin and Cork I think that will suit Galway more so than Mayo. Mm. Discipline
0: <laughs> is probably going to be a, a big factor yeah. in this one and discipline has hurt Mayo on the big day in the past. You, you think back to the 2017 All-Ireland Final and those yellow cards just killed them. Um, they're going to have their very physical team and
3: they're so powerful but it it it's something that they're going to have
0: to watch on Sunday maybe, Diane?
3: Yeah, and like even the last day against Armagh, um, Neve Kelly got a yellow and do you know there's nothing silicon in it, sy- cynical in it at all. It's just, you know a rush of madness or whatever you want to call it, because just silly, you know, those things don't need to be done. And you especially don't need to get a yellow card. If you're fouling a player, you know, on your defensive 45, they're still far enough out. It's not a one-on-one. They're a long way away from getting a score. And it's better that they get a point than you be gone for 10 minutes. But in saying that they've reacted very well. Um, I think that, you know, they're going to have to be really careful when it comes to discipline. It's not worth it to have a lazy challenge or a tackle that draws the wrong attention because you'll get a yellow card, you know, and that's just by three fouls and that's it. That's the yellow. So, you know, that's it's just such a concern. But the one thing I'd say that I think with Mayo is they'll be really prepared you know, they'll have regular checks. They'll have somebody on the line, the same as every team will, to know who's been ticked and who's not because the ref has to write it in physically into his book. So they'll be able to keep a track on that, his or her book. Um, But, you know, they just, the next day they can't afford to get a yellow. And, you know, in the first game and they got in the final, they got a yellow again. So I just think that those things, they need to be kind of stamped out. And if you don't learn from your mistakes, well, then I'm not sure what you're doing really in the first place. But... I, I'll be kind of with Denise as well. Like, this is a very hard working team. Um, they've brought 19 new players into the team this year, like, and in seven months, too. And six or seven of those girls never even played underage county before. They never played under 12 or 14 or 16 or minor. Like, to think that the senior management team had to go down to every club game to find players with potential, because everyone develops at different times and whatever, you know, and. I just think that the job they've done is, is almost nothing short of a miracle because, as Sinead said, no one's talking about them now as, you know, rebuilding. They've actually passed that point. And that must bring immense pride to everyone involved, um, especially the players, you know, who were there, I suppose, playing against Cavan last year in, in that match, which could have seen them in relegation battle with, tip, with Tipperary. So I just think that they have come an a long way and you're just delighted for them to have a day out. But nah, I wouldn't cut them short either on not winning the match. So it's... Uh, they are so wonderfully unpredictable as a team. They really
0: are. Like they've been, they've been absolutely thrilling to watch this year. In particular, actually, Rachel Kearns, who has taken on that number fourteen jersey, and the fact that they have three competent free takers
3: up front as well. Like there's just there's something about them this year that's just brilliant entertainment. Yeah, and the last game that I was at with um, with Galway, they had three players marking her, like three players. The minute that Mayo got the ball and it came to the halfway line, those three players marking her. So that would really be frustrating if you're a full forward, you know. So it, it just shows the value, um, you know, and the danger that they actually see that she's in if any of those high balls come into her. Right, well, two absolutely epic matches in store. But
0: have to ask, who's going to Krog Park on September 15th,
1: Sinead? Um I think Cork are going to beat Dublin. I think that's going to be a game... Where Saoirse Noonan could have a big say. I thought she was brilliant when she came on in the league final, and I think by the end of that, I think she could be a big game player. I think Crow Park and like I know she didn't maybe make a huge impact last year. She can use that to channel a bit of you know need for redemption there as well. I think she did really. She did for me. She stood out when she came on. She scored a great goal as well. I think that could be a game made for her to make an impact. And then Galway Mayo well I kind of already said it, I do think Galway might edge it there.
2: Right, Denise. Um I think the Dublin court game is going to be extremely tight and I do think it'll probably come down to the wire a little bit, whereas last year I I did kind of think Dublin might beat them by six, seven points and I don't think I was too far off actually. I think it'll be tighter this year. Um but I am I'm I'm tipping Dublin to 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 do the job, um, with the Galway Mayo game, like I said, I always tip Galway and they always lose, so I'm going to tip Mayo and maybe I'll be doing Galway a favour. <laughs> I do always, I always overestimate, I know, but I seem it's like I always think Galway are going to do it and they fall short. So maybe I, I've lost a bit of hope or just the the resolve Mayo have shown. Maybe I just think that a big stage. I think Crow Park might suit them. I just think that they might. I just think that if it gets into a dog fight, I'm going to tip Mayo, but I I just. I feel sorry for Galway because I think they've all the flair I just don't think they perform on the big stage so hopefully they prove me wrong sorry Diane but I would be still rooting for you're Galway but I'm going with
3: Mayo <coughs> Yeah you're not sorry Denise <laughs> Um, I would say from my point of view as I said earlier I think that Dublin have a really good game in them like I really do believe that they'll have no stone left unturned that their preparation will be down to a fine art almost they're very familiar with the pitch Um, you know really is there pressure on them for three or three in a row? I'm not really sure there is, you know, to be quite honest. They're just going to see this as another game. But I think they are going to look for a 60 minutes of a consistent performance. And I think that's why they could beat Cork, you know. Um, but if I look at Cork, then, uh, you know, physically, I don't... I think that they're up to it this year. Whereas I don't think they were up to it last year and they weren't seasoned enough for it. So... Um, yeah, it's a really tough one. I'll say a draw, actually. I'll sit on the fence with that one. i say a draw. draw. <laughs> um, from a Galway-Mayo point of view, my heart will always, always, always say Mayo because that's just how it's spread into you um, when you're from the county. Um, if I look at the results, you would have to tip Galway. 100% you'd have to tip them in the results over the last eight years in Connacht, in the replay, in the league. You know, everything says that. But, you know, when you're looking at Mayo, what they're doing and how they're learning game on game... And their game management the last day really impressed me. They're maturing as a unit as well and they're starting to use a lot of intelligence. And to see the movement that they had in the Donegal game, as Sinead was saying, it was it was really well orchestrated. I mean, that was a huge win for them and they had that down to a fine art. It was almost, you could see the plan unfolding when you looked Donny Donegal's kickouts and such. So I do think from that point of view, Mayall be more prepared so... Um, I tipped Galway earlier in the week, and Denise has just convinced me <laughs> that without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to tip Mayo to uh, to win this on Sunday.
1: <laughs> like he says, well, Galway don't have Crow Park experience. Mm. That could end up being a huge factor, and it's not just the All Ireland final that Mayo have to rely. On. They've played there in the league as well. I don't think Galway had any. No. no, they had no. They had no league matches in Crow Park, so that could end up being a huge thing because Crow Park's like not like any other pitch. Like, you've played there, you know yourselves. It's not like any other pitch. Galway won't have that going into it. It could work against them, but maybe the, the, the freshness of it could end up egging them on. Croke Park is not like any other pitch indeed Big thanks to Denise and
0: Diane for joining myself and Sinead to look back on the LGFA All-Ireland Championship so far and to look forward to the knockout action ahead this weekend Two absolute crackers guaranteed so just make sure you get your ticket to be part of this historic occasion in Croke Park Share this episode of the W far and wide to get everyone you know match fit for the big day and don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for joining us